This is the Healthcare Education Transformation Podcast, a podcast brought to you by two physical therapists devoted to helping physical therapists and other healthcare providers become better educators to patients, students, the community, and each other by interviewing prominent and passionate people within the realms of healthcare and education. The Healthcare Education Transformation Podcast is intended literally for educational and entertainment purposes only. No clinical decision-making should be based on only one source, and therefore, this podcast should not be used as personal medical advice. While care has been taken to ensure accuracy, occasionally, mistakes and factual errors can be present, as we are only human. This is our journey on the road to becoming better educators, so get ready with your pen and paper as class is about to begin. Welcome to another episode of the Healthcare Education Transformation Podcast. And on this episode, we have the pleasure of interviewing the founder of Physical Therapy Builder, Greg Todd, where he discusses his journey and startup of his online educational classes, along with helpful insight regarding marketing, startup, and management for those interested in starting their own online class. Now, of course, we discuss what real rap music is, as this is clearly what everyone is tuning in to hear. Now, with that being said, we now present to you Greg Todd. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Healthcare Education Transformation Podcast. My name is Brandon Pollan and I am joined by my co-host F. Scott Field. And today we're so pumped to bring you Greg Todd. Now Greg Todd is an incredible business owner, but he's also a phenomenal mentor and teacher. And to me, he represents a passionate man looking to advance the profession in his community. He's a physical therapist, co-owner of Renewal Rehab, founder of Physical Therapy Builder, and the organizer of Smart Success PT Live. Now, I gotta be honest, I must throw out this disclaimer here. I am one of Greg's students in his Smart Success PT cohort, season three represent, and I truly found the course and community that Greg created to be like nothing I've ever experienced before, and it has truly changed my life. And, and I can honestly say that if it weren't for him and from others in this course that there's a very high chance that this podcast wouldn't exist and that we wouldn't be talking right now as, you know, as GT and others in this group really gave me the confidence to be able to do this. I also do want to give a shout out to Greg and along with Paul Goff, Ken Carey, Aaron LeBauer, Will Butler, and Jerry Durham this past weekend at SSBT Live in Clearwater Beach for such an amazing mindset-altering weekend. And thank you, Greg, and everyone for all your efforts as it truly was phenomenal. And I'm so excited to see what happens next year for it. So, Greg, thanks for all of your work and contributions to the field of PT. And thank you so much for coming on to the show today. Thank you, sir. Thank you. I really appreciate it. And it was fantastic getting to meet you this weekend. Oh, likewise. So, Greg, I realize that I kept your intro bio brief, but is there anything that you'd like our audience to know about you that we've left out in terms of kind of about who you are or about Physical Therapy Builder? Basically, I am a, I'm a business owner of two clinics like what you said, but I want the audience to know that I was not a born entrepreneur. I had no desire to open up a business. I just wanted to get a nice salary, work for someone you know, have a good family life. And that was really it. And preferably work with sports and stuff like that. I just felt like once I got into that realm, after a couple of years, I realized that there wasn't really any upward, you know, progression. So I think that's the main thing. And then I would say about five years into owning a practice, I had some health problems, which is really the reason why I had to reinvent myself and learn a lot of things that most PTs don't know. And I believe that those trials, those health trials that I dealt with is the reason why I was able to create the online academy of smart success. And I believe it's the reason why I've been able to scale my business so much that I don't have to work as much in the business which is why I believe my secret sauce, and Brandon, you can tell me if this is true or not, I don't know, but I think my secret sauce is the amount of time that I give my students. The the content, I'm assuming, is good, Um, but I think the time that I can actually truly mentor people 
and help them through a lot of their their issues. And so and so anyways, I think that I think that's kind of what has gotten me to this point. I love the field of physical therapy. I love being a therapist. I love my family more. <laughs> um, I love time with my family and with my students and with the people that are most important to me. And I realized mm-hmm. that being a business owner and being a physical therapist, I can have the best of both worlds. Yeah, Greg, I can attest to that. I'm not even one of your students and you've laid out time for me time and time again when I've had questions for you. So I appreciate that. Yeah, man. I mean, basically that's the thing. It's like at the end of the day, it's all about what your intentions are. You know what I mean? Like it's not, I'm not just trying to help people out that are my students. Obviously they're in the front queue, but you know, I want to help people out that I know are doing better or doing more for themselves. And they really genuinely just want to live a better life. And they want to do that through blessing people in the field of physical therapy. So, you know, that's pretty much it. Yeah, no, awesome. And as one of his students, I totally can say that Greg totally does make time individually for for me and for everyone. And it's just truly astonishing, you know, to have access to him at that level and what he provides. It's there's nothing truly like it out there on the market, and there's no better deal, in my opinion. Thank you. Anyways, <laughs> but no, you know, no, I mean, that's you know, I could see to outsiders. I mean, I could see I was like, oh man, you know, Greg, you know, man, he must. Are these like paid actors or something? You know, you know, you could always have skeptics and whatnot. But I think if nothing else, I think people's jaws dropped. Those that were not part of the family that were at the event this weekend, all their jaws dropped. Mm-hmm. Jerry Durham. Yeah, they did. Uh, they dropped <laughs> because they didn't realize, oh my gosh, like the relation. It's like we're all family. And they don't realize mm-hmm. that the leader, speed of the leader, speed of the pack, what the leader does, everybody else will do. So everybody sees that I put my people as priority. I put them first. So now the other students are putting their classmates in the online course first. And then it creates this massive, like tight unity. And it's almost like a freaking gang. It's almost like a, like a borderline. I mean, I don't want to say cult, but it's almost like it, it's like, you can't say anything about our people. And so PT's a freaking grind, man. The, the, the profession can kick your ass at times. So you know how awesome it is to have now hundreds of people that have your back and that can get you out of that rut? There are no ruts in our group, you know? So yeah, that's, that's a great community and a great way to avoid burnout for sure. Exactly, mm-hmm. exactly, exactly. And, you know, when you have burnout, you suck. You know what I mean? You're yeah. not as good, right? You're not mm-hmm. able to deliver. And so we're not dealing with that. You know, we have problems, we have issues at work, we have stuff going on, but we're basically figuring it out, we're solving it, and then boom, we're winning, and then we're just moving on, and it just, it just, it explodes, just keeps on going. So, you know, I was telling Brandon something, I know you guys have questions for me, but I was telling Brandon something right before we started this podcast, and I had, you know, a mastermind event two days after, right, SSPT Live. So I had 12 people at the mastermind event, five were people that are considering opening up businesses. Of those five people, they all, within 48 hours, had their articles of incorporation set up. Wow. That's, that's called something. the power That's called the power of people. You know, it takes people 10 years to make that decision. They made it for two days. Yeah, it's, it's remarkable. It's, it's amazing. So, GT, how did you start up the company, a physical therapy builder, and what were some of the biggest struggles that you faced with startup, and also what current struggles do you have with kind of running the company? So I started PT Builder off of, actually here, let me go back for a second. You guys know PT Builder as online courses. PT Builder started in 2009 and it was from a need. Any company you start, you start it from a need, okay? So the need in 2009 was this. 
I was a private practice owner. I was at that time, I was doing direct marketing via blogs. So I was doing blogs on tennis players that I was working with on a tour. I saw that that was working. I was doing blogs on marathoning and running. And I saw people were coming to my blog and that was driving traffic to my website. And so people wanted to know, how do you do that? because everybody always wants new patients, right? So mm-hmm. what ended up happening is that I ended up getting some opportunities to speak at different events, private practice events. And from those private practice events, people wanted me to help them more with their marketing. So I started Physical Therapy Builder, I believe in 2009, and it was just from a need. It was a need to help private practice owners with helping their marketing and not having to rely so much on doctors. Got sick for three years, shut it down, and I started it back up in 2015, again, from a need. I got to speak at PPS on social media. I got a lot of opportunities to consult for practices. During that time, I would say like 2015, that's when I was starting to interact in these DPT student groups, probably from 2014, I was doing it. 2014 and 15, and started to be a free contributor to those groups. Had a few students from those groups that were starting to call me on a regular basis. I was mentoring them without getting paid for it. And I was just doing it on a regular basis. They ended up being students of mine in season one. But I started to realize there's a need there's a need. So Physical Therapy Builder was a speaking engagement. That's where I put my, my money for speaking engagements and for consulting for private practices. And now it morphed into mentoring young physical therapists or physical therapists really at any, at any point, you know, pre-PTs, 35-year PTs we have in SSPT. And that's really it. So I believe you start the company based on a need and now it's turned into online courses, live events, mentorship, weekends, all that other stuff. Cool. And GT, what do you feel like some of the biggest struggles were kind of with startup that you've experienced with that company? I would say nothing. <laughs> nothing. <laughs> man, when you're doing stuff online, guys, when you're doing stuff online, man, it's so damn easy. I mean, it's, there's no major startups. You know, now if, okay, let's just say this was not my, you know, fifth business or whatever, right? It says my first business. I mean, obviously you have to educate yourself on business and how to start stuff up, you know? and the different steps you need to do. I think that's one thing. I will say that if there was any obstacle or anything that kind of held me back is that you guys got to understand, I have this really, really great reputation as a clinician in Tampa Bay. I have a great reputation as a business owner that does business the right way and takes care of his people in Tampa Bay. So I truly thought that with my reputation and what I've been able to pull off, that everybody would come to SSPT right away. Like, duh. I mean, come on, right? And it didn't happen. It just didn't happen. Like it took time. So that was probably my biggest struggle was just the amount of time that it takes for something to explode. And now when you look back at it, holy crap, I started this course March 29th of 2016 and we had a packed out live event, quote unquote, the event of all time, not even a year and what, four months later. I mean, when you look at it, that really didn't take long, did it? You know, but, um, you know, at the time when you're going through it, it felt like it took long. Greg, uh, being from New York, I I would be remiss if I did not ask you this question. This podcast is about education. Do you feel it's your duty to educate younger generations about what real rap music is? (laughs) Yes, of course it is. Of course it is, Scott. Come on, you know that. Thank you. you. Just making sure (laughs) someone else is out there rapping. I, I mean, I just, look, man, we need to know the history of physical therapy. You need to know your forefathers. You need to know our um, prior generations and what he or she have done for us to get us to this point. You also need to know rap music too. You, I mean, you need to know where it came from, who, who were the originators. You need to know the stuff that is out now is not, I'm not going to knock it, but I mean, you right. got to understand. Not There's a, it's, not right. it's not really rap music. I mean, I like beats. I like to dance. You guys know that. You guys have seen that. 
but also there's some good rap music out there. I don't really see that as much today. So I got to educate my students, not just on how to level up in PT, but I got to educate them on original rap music. Absolutely. Soundtrack of their lives, right? Exactly, man. Yeah. So, you know. yeah. so, hey, I don't know if you know this, Scott, but in Smart Success, when we do our live streams, that's what we do. We play music. Oh, and... I, did, I did tune in for a couple of those. I saw oh, some did. of those. Okay. I was impressed. Okay. Hey, all right, cool. So, so, so that's what we do. So I, I switch it up, you know, um, every season over eight weeks has its own soundtrack. Right. And so, you know, I switch it up. I let them listen to stuff they know. I let them listen to some old stuff. So I'm kind of doing both. I'm leveling them up in PT, but I'm educating the masses as well. And I feel good Very about nice. it. Very nice. Very <laughs> nice. Awesome. So along kind of with, the, you know, with educating the masses there, for kind of for our audience, Greg, who doesn't really know a whole lot about, you know, online marketing, how did you market for your company in classes early on? And how has that changed from what you're doing now? It really hasn't, Brandon, to be honest with you. I mean, when you're doing online marketing, it's the fastest way of attracting people because there's no, you know, I mean, basically it's Facebook, it's YouTube, it's Instagram. People are everywhere. I have students from Israel, Bahamas, St. Louis, New York. I mean, everywhere. You saw at the conference, people are from everywhere, from different nations. So to be honest with you, the way, I mean, the marketing hasn't really changed. You know, it's kind of like this. It's like, you know, you might have, I don't know, you know, wherever you live, 10 miles down the road, it might be a city of 80,000 people, you know, 10 minutes West, it might be a population of two. Like it's, it's no different if you're going to market door to door or if you're going to do online, you go where the people that you can serve are at. So mm-hmm. that doesn't change. It, marketing hasn't changed for years with regards to, okay, you're educating people on how to decide if I'm a good fit for them, right? So that's really it. And I do that through videos, through podcasts, through blogs and all the other stuff. The only thing that has changed is where is my following? Is it on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, YouTube, Pinterest, you know? And mm-hmm. to get now, are, are you to tracking the- that stuff, Greg? Are you trying to keep a pulse on that? I mean, I, I of course I have a total pulse on it. You know, I know where my people are coming from. I also know that I have an obligation. This is not just a P and L, a profit and loss. I I am truly trying to change. I think a a a toxic way that it's being done in our profession. So my biggest audience, my my first thing, Scott, is to hit YouTube. Now, here's the thing on YouTube. Most people on the demographic of YouTube is 16 to 22. Okay. That's your demographic. Most of those people are not going to buy my course. They're middle school, high school students, first year, second year of college trying to figure out their life. So what I'm doing is I'm trying to get in their heads and make them understand that this PT thing looks alluring. But if you're not willing to invest more than the asset, which is you, is not going to be valuable enough for you to get the investment back. Right. So I'm training those people, right? So I have a pulse on that. I know what my subs are right now on YouTube. I, you know, I know I'm in the 4,000s. Okay, cool. All right. And I know that I need to hit 5,000. Like I'm on track to hit 5,000 by the end of the summer. You know what I mean? Like, like I know, I know I'm at 4,400 on Instagram. I know Facebook, I don't care because it's easy to pay. I can just pay to get my message out to whoever I want. I don't care about that. So you got to know those things. I mean, if you're, that's the biggest thing for any business to, to succeed. Your guys' podcast, the only way it's going to succeed is if people listen to it, right? So you got to figure out how do I get that out there? So that's a big, that's a big part. 
Right. Right. So speaking of the money and paying for ads and things like that, with managing a CEU company, having a budget seems like it's pretty critical, you know, Um, like having a plan for every dollar and having a specific job for each dollar. And and I'm wondering, you know, what are your thoughts on budgeting for managing a CEU company? I think it all depends. If it is a traditional CEU company, then your budget has to be a lot tighter because you are also paying staff to educate people. Right. You're having to find a location. You're having to, you know, have a school. I mean, you know, whatever. And it's a whole different beast. But when you're doing online education, you can triple, quadruple your marketing budget because I don't have the overhead. I don't have other instructors. I can have unlimited class sizes, right? I can choose whatever I want to do. So when you have that and only about 10 to 15% overhead, I can, I can have a marketing budget that's three times what I have for my clinics. Is that a route that you would recommend for someone going into the CEU business? They were smart. I mean, mean, that's what I would do today. You know, and I understand that we are in a field where there's a technical aspect as well. But even still, okay, so so even if you did have weekend CEU stuff and whatnot, you still got to get access to people. People in our field still like are trained and conditioned to fly to places to get their CEUs, right? So you still have to understand it. You got to market to the masses. So what's the best way to do that? You know, the best way to do that is to get in front of their faces, you know, get in front. And where are they? Well, they're all on Instagram or they're all on Facebook. I mean, you got to understand like where your people are at. And it really doesn't cost a lot, Scott. It doesn't. I mean, crap, you can, you can get into these magazines. These magazines freaking are killing, you know, and people, you know, they're only going to a lot of these PT journals or whatnot to look at the article and that's it, you know, but you can, the amount that it costs to be in a magazine or the amount that it costs to be a sponsor or a vendor at an event. Crap, man. I'm just thinking, I think at CSM, it's like five grand to be a wow. vendor. Wow. I mean, five grand is like a budget for Facebook for the entire year. So, you know, it's just people aren't used to the new school ways of doing stuff. And, you know, they just got to get used to that. It just makes more sense. It's just, it's just, it's just a better dollar and cents move. Well, Greg, in your opinion, what would you say constitutes a great class? Boy, that's a great question. It's changing, but I know this. I know that when I was a student, there are certain content. I'm talking right now. I'm just talking about in physical therapy school. There's certain content that I got right away. Like first time you told to me, boom, I got it. There's certain concepts I didn't. And it's nice to me what makes a great CEU course or great educational piece is having that support, you know, from the professor, from the teacher, from the educator that we're not just, hey, let's go through this technique. Let's go through this. Let's go through that. Let's go through that. Let's go through this. Let's go through that. And then it's like, crap, I didn't understand the third one, which which the fourth one built off the third one, and then I'm screwed, right? So I think it's really important to have the support. And I think that is probably the biggest piece because content's content. People can throw content out, but having that support is huge. Now in my niche, it's different. I'm not teaching you three techniques or five techniques, and then we're going home. I'm teaching you how to really package yourself and how to become a bigger asset as a physical therapist, right? Yeah. So yeah. Uh, here, let me just kind of, I, w- I want to touch on that a little bit. Have you guys ever bought a house or you, uh, you, one of your families bought a house, I'm assuming, or whatnot at yes, some point? several times okay. over. All right. Okay. So when you buy a house, right, you're not just buying a house. There's there there's a difference with buying a house and there's a difference with buying like a drone. Okay. You guys know I'm a drone guy. Okay. So, oh, yeah. all right. So when you buy a house, 
A house is an investment. A drone is not really an investment. A drone is more of like a liability. Like I use it for fun, but I'm not really making a ton of money off my drone. I'm not really making much off of it. Actually, I, actually I am. I mean, I made a lot of money off of Smart Success PT Live because people saw my drone videos. But, but, but for the most part, it's more for fun, right? Okay, now when you get that house, right? Brandon Scott, when you get that house, if you were to upgrade a kitchen, what would happen to that house? Increase the value. Okay, yep. what if you were to add a pool? What, what would happen? Ooh, question mark. Some people are loving the pools nowadays. Some people are thinking that's a money pit. You got it. Okay, then, then what if we upgraded like the countertops in the bedrooms, I'm sorry, in the bathrooms and in the kitchen. What does that do? I it think increases you're still the value, increasing right? it. Yep. Okay. So, all right. So, basically, here's the deal. The deal is, is that you as a physical therapist, you are the asset. The problem is, is that you haven't upgraded yet. So, you see, what I'm doing is different. I'm actually turning you into the granite countertops. I'm just increasing the value because you're paying money to become a physical therapist, maybe six figures, you know, whatever, right? Now you come out and you're an asset. But if you can upgrade yourself, then you become more of an asset. Who gives a crap how much money you owe? If the asset is worth more than the liability, you're set. You're fine. Yeah. You could do that all day. So the, the education I'm giving is how do you increase you as an asset? Now, when you're going to CEU course, technically on paper, you are in being increased as an asset because you're learning technical skills. But the game that we play in PT, technical skills don't really give you that much of an increase, at least the way that employers perceive it. doesn't really give you that much of an increase of your worth of, of assets. So I think it's two different things, but that's really what I'm teaching. And I guess that's why it's gone so well. Yeah, that's a great oh, analogy, awesome. Greg. Yeah, no, it really is. And I totally agree in terms of, you know, with the technical skills, the limitation, because, you know, granted, I'm a new, I'm a new therapist in the game, but, you know, I found, you know, when I came out of school, I thought it was all about skills. I thought it was all skills, 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 technical stuff, because that's what I was taught. But the more I work and the more I work with patients that, you know, I mean, I think skills are important to a point, but I think, you know, just being able to how you communicate and how you make the patient feel is way more important than a lot of the skills that I do. And yeah, I thought I mean, that was really interesting when you say that. It's huge. I mean, it's a huge thing. And I think, I mean, skill. I, look, Brennan, you're in the same boat as many of us. I mean, that's that's what we learn. That's what we're taught, right? Because in school, they have to teach you the basic skill sets of how to actually be a competent clinician to at least be able to not kill people. You know what I mean? Right. <laughs> right. So, so they do that and that's fine. Right. So then you don't know any better because you just think, well, if I do that more, then I'll be better. Mm -hmm. Like how I was in school. So you don't really yeah. know. I mean, you don't really know the difference, but at the end of the day, it's all about how you package. It's how you yeah. package what it is that you're doing. Because what we have to understand is that in school, we're in a bubble of a, of a bunch of physical therapists, 30, 40, 50, 60, in our class, you spend three and a half years with them, right? You go to an internship, you go there, you don't really have a life. So you don't really understand that you might understand the coracobrachialis. You might understand the long head of the biceps, but people don't understand that. So you kind of have this disconnect and you have to understand that you have the biggest thing in PT is how do you package what you're doing so that normal Joe Blows out there actually understand what the hell it is that you're doing. And then that makes Joe Blow come back to your clinic. And now your value has increased to that clinic. If you don't know that, you're screwed. Yeah. Finding a way to relate and educate in a way that patients understand. Right.
So they become happy, consistent customers. Mm -hmm. And you can't do that through just learning more techniques, right? For every technique you learn, you should spend six times that amount learning how to present that technique to your patient so that they understand what it is that you're doing and how that's going to help them with what they really want. Oh, absolutely. And it's, it's amazing because, you know, something I've learned that, you know, you can do all you can do the most beautiful technical treatment in the world but if that patient's not on board or that patient doesn't know what's going on and that patient's not in it it's m- most of the time you're not going to get the outcome you're looking for never <laughs> you're never going to get yeah. it you know that's just for you that's just a pat on the back for you to make you feel good about yourself yeah. it doesn't work like that it just doesn't so we don't understand right. that but our job is to educate just like we need to educate our patients, our job and my job is to educate the new physical therapist. This is how it really is going to be. This is what you really need to know. And once you do that though, and Brandon, you know this because you've had firsthand experience with this. Once you know that, then it's like the whole floodgates open. It's like, holy crap, man, this is awesome. People respect me. Now they're calling. Nobody has a problem calling you doctor now. You know what I mean? Like there's this massive respect. It's just a couple tweaks that you have to do and it changes everything for you as a clinician. Oh, you, you, you're, you're so right on that. Because I don't know if I told you this, Gray, but when I first started off, I was so in the technical skills part because that's what I was taught. And I did that so frequently. And then eventually it kind of pushed me towards burnout. And then you know I pursued a residency, didn't get it. And then I spiraled even more down that route. And then it wasn't until someone actually pushed me in the direction of your podcast and Jeff Moore's podcast. And I listened to your guys and you telling me all these, these new tints. And I started implementing it. And slowly but surely, everything started to turn. I'm like, wow, that, that's all I had to do. Yeah, that's it. That's really it. Yeah, no, it is. And kind of with the teaching aspect there, you know, as an educator, Greg, what do you feel are the biggest differences between online teaching and teaching at a live event? Ooh, I got to be honest with you. I mean, I don't think there was that much of a difference, to be honest with you. I mean, I was able to deliver. This is the amazing thing about online, guys. I was able to deliver the same type of content at the live event or at a CEU. I've no matter if I speak for CSM, PPS, my own event, whatever. It's the same way that I deliver it online. It's the same way. It's the same way. Actually, to be honest with you guys, when I'm speaking in SSPT, like when I'm speaking and I'm doing some of the lectures, I mean, I'm doing it exactly how I would do it at PPS. It's the same thing. Like my face is at the top right-hand corner and the presentation's the rest of the screen. It's the same way. And so I don't think there's any difference. Now, I understand that there's many PTs that are doing technical CEUs, but I'm talking about if you go to an event and they're speaking on a subject, it really is no different. It's, it's, it's absolutely no different. And because we're not wasting that time having to, oh my God, we got to go to and fro. We got to you know pack up our stuff. This, because I have, because it's, and I'm able to have so many people on at one time and they're all getting the same content. I'm able to spend more time at what I told you guys earlier is a support is making sure that no one gets left behind and that we continue to move on, you know, from week to week together. And everybody really absorbs the content, applies the content, understands it for their particular situation. And then uh, and that's when you see transformations. You know, I feel Greg, I know we've got a lot of stuff and, you know, there's so much good and there's so many pros about your courses, but. But now I'm going to switch gears and kind of ask you, what do you think are some of the, the weaknesses with your courses and how are you looking to improve those? I think the weaknesses, you know, from what people have told me, to be honest with you, in the past, just thinking, I remember when I did the first season, so, some, of the, some of the feedback that I got, which were weaknesses, was there was like a few of my presence or, or a few of my, my lessons that you wouldn't see me in the lesson. Like it was either I just woke up in the morning and I was doing it because, man, I was pushing out 
content like crazy building this course, right? So it was in the morning and my eyes are crusty and I'm just like, feel tired. I look like a freaking monster and I would not have the camera on. I just thought people wanted a content. But what people told me is that we want to see you just like how we see the professor. So I redid a lot of those. So I think that was a weakness. You know, but that was something I was able to correct. And then I think, I think that's, I honestly think that's really it. You know, now, now the thing is this, one thing I do understand is that everybody absorbs their content differently. Some people like video, some people like audio, some people like written. So in traditional settings, you usually get the video, which is the, the professor, right? Or the, the course creator or the online educator gets audio because they're speaking, okay? And, and sometimes you get written, maybe you get a PowerPoint slides or whatever. Online, I have been able to do that as well. I give you video, which is me. I give you an audio so that you can listen to it like a podcast. And then the written part, we're actually now transcribing out all of our lessons. There's very few people that like the written, but if you want it, it's there. You can read it like a book. Greg, um, I hear a lot of clinicians say things like, you know, you need to have five plus years of experience or advanced training, such as a residency or a fellowship, in order to teach CEUs or have your own CEU company. Obviously, it kind of depends a little bit on the topic. But, you know, what are your thoughts on, on level of experience and, and when we're ready to dive into the CEU realm of things? I don't believe that. I mean, I mean, I just don't believe it. I believe it's whenever you feel as though you are an expert at what it is that you do. So how, when are you an expert? It's when you know more than 80% of the people that are doing the thing that you're doing. I mean, that's really, that's it. Now I want to throw something at you. So you're like, crap, maybe they're right. Maybe I need to be at five years. No, because what I know is that 20-year PTs, five-year PTs, 10-year PTs, 15-year PTs, they suck at packaging. See, I think we need to have continuing education courses, live courses, like you guys created a company, and you could be a two-year therapist, a three-year therapist, and if you actually knew how to package, if you actually, like, like there should be courses, and I can tell you this, I actually consult for a company that wants me to create an online one that actually trains healthcare professionals how to talk about conditions, how to package those conditions. I haven't seen that out there. There you go, you guys have an idea. If you're better than 80% of people, which at a year, you could be better than 80% because most therapists don't find value in that. They find value in palpation and in dry needling and in cross-section massage and soft tissue and you know mobilization and stuff like that. But truthfully, that doesn't pay the bills. If you could do a course on how to present maybe 25 orthopedic conditions so that your patients will have an initial buy-in. If you could do that at eight months out of school, better than someone that's 20 years out of school, why can't you create your own CU course then? Sure. Oh, no, absolutely. I think that's a great Makes idea. Sense. And Greg, kind of going along with that, say, for example, that kind of a project did exist. How would you try to persuade others? Um, you don't. You can't persuade anybody. I think you just... People have problems. This is what happens, Brandon. People go to work, they have all these skills, and they're frustrated as hell because their patients aren't showing up. When their patients aren't showing up, their schedule's not full. Their schedule's not full, their boss is looking at canning them. That's a problem, okay? <laughs> so you're so then when you have a problem, then you're actually looking for answers. So you're not gonna persuade anybody. But it's just like when you found me. You didn't find me when everything was going good. You found me when you were hitting your rock bottom, right? So that's that's how it works. You know, people find, the way it works in online is people are going to find you. So you're not going to change anyone. 
But when you hit your rock bottom, when you hit your crap, I need to do something different. Crap, this sucks. And then if some dude named Brandon or Scott says, hey, this is what we're doing, and it's increasing our patient buy-in by 25%, right? Then people want to listen. Then if they find out that you're actually offering a course on this, well, you're now solving their problem. You didn't convince them. They were looking. Yeah, no, that's that's a good take on that. Greg, in your opinion, what are the qualities that make somebody a great educator? I think two things. I think to be a good educator, you have to be a good deliverer. Like you just have to be able to deliver properly. So the content is almost second fiddle at this point. Yeah, the content's second fiddle. I mean, we're teaching. Look, you guys went through PT school and it's the same damn stuff you're being taught in most schools. So why is it that you had sucky professors and then you had some amazing ones? The sucky ones weren't really good at delivering. The amazing ones were. To be a good educator or to have a great class, you need to be able to deliver the information in a good way. I think it's the same thing with being a good clinician. You need to be able to package the information and deliver it properly. Not just at the eval, but treatment after treatment, however you have your place set up or the place that you work for. Okay, to be a great instructor and to have a great class, you need to be amazing at delivery and you need to be amazing at supporting the people to actually get the outcomes that they want. So let's just say I was teaching kinesiology, okay? If I'm teaching kinesiology, it's important that I actually am very good at delivering the information so people can absorb it and learn it. But it's also good that I can support the people so that they master it. So there's some professors are amazing at delivery, but they're not really good at support. There's some CEU educators that are great at delivery, but they're not really good at support. But if you want to be amazing, you got to be good at the delivery and you got to be great at the support. Wow. Great point, Greg. Thank you. Yeah, no, that, that's, that's awesome. That makes a lot of sense. So Greg, you know, we kind of asked this question near the end there, but you know, if you could change one aspect of DPT healthcare education what aspect would that be and why would you say that? If there's one thing I could change, I would say, can we work a little bit more on how to deliver an eval? <laughs> I think that would be like huge. There's like nothing that's being done with regards to that in school. Like how do you deliver an evaluation so that someone that has a $180 price point won't even balk at it? Someone that has a 60 or $70 copay through insurance won't even balk at it? I believe that as a physical therapist, you have that ability to solve their problems. But I think if you suck at packaging, people just think, uh, I didn't think physical therapy was going to work for me. I went one time, eh, it was like, whatever. I think that is one thing you could do. Fine. Screw marketing, whatever. Fine. Okay. You don't want to learn that stuff. Fine. Whatever. But at least could you package that? Could you just an eval? I'm, I'm not even talking a treat yet. Okay. Just an eval. Cause we know for sure all PTs are going to do evals. Now probably 80, 90% of PTs are going to do treats as well. Could you guys at least understand how it works with soft tissue healing and how to piece that together to explain to a patient what's going on? I can't tell you how many people have said they had, they never had that conversation with their PT. It's not taught in schools. Mm-hmm. It's not taught. So it doesn't matter how good you mm-hmm. deliver an eval. It doesn't, it doesn't really matter. How good you, I mean, if you don't even know how long it's going to take and what the hell you're going to do with the person, then that's part of the package. I I don't, I mean, that needs to be taught. That's huge. That would make a lot of change. So yeah, we're we're missing out on a big opportunity if that's not something that's standard across the board. I teach on an SSPT though. 
<laughs> yeah, he does. No, he does. The 10 steps. Sweet <laughs> sure plug do. at the end of the, the podcast. Yeah, no, it's awesome. I'm curious, you know, what your guys' thoughts are and where the, do you think that should be more like in school score or more on clinicals? Because I feel like, you know, for me at least, you know, I feel like that'd probably be better, you know, at least to go over briefly in school, but really hammer home and clinical education. The problem I see, though, is not all CIs, not all therapists are consistent with that. Well, I mean, it needs to be done, needs to be started in school so you know what you're you're getting into and how you're supposed to do an evaluation. And then the practical aspect of it is through the internship. Yeah, so you absolutely. learned it. You've got to have you know, like a learned, functional yeah. foundation to work off of and then kind of hone in your skills and practice on the clinical. Right, exactly. So, you know, I have the 10 steps. Those are your 10 steps. Practice it in class. Practice it at home. Practice it, practice it, practice it. And then when you get into the clinic, it's almost like preseason. When you get into your internship and your clinicals, it's your preseason. And then when you have your license, it's regular season, but nobody's working on it. So they don't know the skills. They don't know how to block. They don't know how to cut. They don't know how to do any of those things, right? Like, so... Then they get to regular season and then they wonder why they lost 45-0. Well, because you didn't even learn the fundamentals. No, it's a great point and it's, and it's a serious thing that kind of needs to be discussed and brought out. No, absolutely. Uh, Greg, where can people find you on social media? Everywhere. Um, I was about to say. <laughs> so I think just, you know, Greg Todd PT, my handle for Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube is Greg Todd PT. My website is gregtoddpt.com. I have online courses with the main one being Smart Success PT. That's my most popular one. And that is, you can find that at smartsuccesspt.com. I'm actually 10 days away from launching our fourth season of it and right. pretty excited about that. That'll be the last time I do it this year. And then, yeah, and that's pretty much where you can find me. And I have a podcast called called The Hunt for Greatness. So I just, it's not really totally PT related. It's more motivational, helping mm-hmm. you with your belief, which is a huge part of why a lot of PTs suck. They just don't believe in themselves and stuff like that. So no, awesome. Awesome. Well, Great. You know, Thanks thank so, you much so much for taking the time to talk with us. You got it, man. Thank you so much for having me, Scott. Thank you, Brandon. I appreciate it. And you guys keep doing what you're doing. Thanks, Greg. Thanks for all your help and best of luck with season four. Thank you, sir. Appreciate it. Thank you for attending class today, and we hope that you learned something and gained value from the content. If you'd like to schedule office hours with us, feel free to add us on Twitter at HET Podcast, on Instagram, HET Podcast, on Facebook, the Healthcare Education Transformation Podcast, and the homepage, healthcareeducationtransformationpodcast.com. And for those of you following along in the syllabus... Extra credit can be obtained by liking us, sharing us, and leaving a review. Let's continue our journey up Mount Educational Success as lifelong learners.